You're listening to your old friends Ron and Don on the Ron and Ra- on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, you guys? Episode 74 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, I'm Don. Thanks for stopping by. Over 300,000 spins of the Ron and Don Show. Now more popular on a podcast than it ever was on Terrestrial Radio. And we were number one in afternoon drive here for, what, 12, 13 years? Yeah. Unbelievable. Thanks to you. We really appreciate you. And we appreciate the dozens of people that have reached out to us, and we've gone on this journey together. Buy and sell and invest in. We'd love to be a part of it. Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill. At windermere.com. Let me ask you this question. Let's say you got, they accidentally threw you in jail for 23 years, and then you got out, and they handed you a check, and that check was for $1.55 million. And you also got a note saying that you were innocent. Would that be enough for you, $1.5 million, and just a little note saying, hey, you know that murder we thought that Mike committed? didn't really do it here's a certificate sorry you're in the penitentiary for 23 years my bad i have a lot to say about that and i know that ron does too uh also before we get out of here let's talk about uh, something that you're learning either from another human a book a podcast before we do that let's do this what do you got i, I found it a very or you found this i think actually a really fascinating new study uh that's come out in in uh, there's a person called dr fisher i think it's a a, a woman doctor what helen fisher and so the, the the doctor was a woman so they um she was thinking about this old axiom that we've heard our whole lives opposites attract hmm. she's like well is that true do, do opposites really attract? And she's like, it seems like maybe sometimes that could be true. Sometimes it can't be true. And so she started, she did this two year deep dive on all the different theories that we've all heard of. It's like, well, you got power people and party people, or well, you got um, extroverts and introverts. And so she started looking at all of these different quadrants that we've seen a thousand of. And she's like, none of these really seem to explain it the way that I'm thinking about it. So I want to create, so she's like, I'm going to create a new one that I think explains the actual data better. And so what her big insight was, Dr. Helen, is she's like, I want to study things that are not preferences. And it's not just like, oh, I like brunettes and I like to date people with this body size. It's not that. She's like, I want stuff that is tied to something biological that you don't really control. Hmm. And so she, she went around and she searched for these four things and started to base her study on this. And so the things that she came up with is she has two, she has four chemicals that the body produces. And so she put them on the different axes, you know, you draw a quadrant. And so she's on one of these quadrants is dopamine and serotonin. And so that is quadrant number one, or like the line number one. Let's say it goes left to right. Dopamine versus serotonin. So your body will naturally produce more of one or the other. And so she goes, then on the, the, the vertical axis, let's put testosterone and estrogen. And so typically we think of testosterone as a, a male hormone yeah. and estrogen as a female, but everybody has a little bit of, of either of those. She's like, okay, these are things that you can't, physically control you can't say i'm going to produce more testosterone uh and and unless you're john curley and you go to the get your t-cells count so that joke if you listen to us back on the radio (laughs) and so 
Love you, John. She started to do this study. So she teamed up with a dating website. She created a 56-question questionnaire, and she had uh, over 100,000 people take this questionnaire. And so she began to study this. Then she did some brain fMRI things. And she came up with this I find fascinating because you're not – it's not your preference, and it's not what you think that you like. It's the way that your body physically produces the chemicals that control mood and control desire and can control aggression and control empathy. And, and so dopamine, I'll just give you the quick types. You tell me where you fit in. I think I know where you fit in. And here's the other thing. She said, you can be two. You can be dominant in two out of the four. Uh, And some people are pretty balanced across all four, and some people just are off the charts on one. So think of these as as I read them to you. So dopamine. People who are high on dopamine are curious, creative, spontaneous, energetic, restless, enthusiastic, impulsive, and mentally flexible. They're explorers, and they like to take risks. They cannot tolerate people who are boring. That's dopamine. Why are you staring at me, Ron? Serotonin. <laughs> if you're a serotonin person, yeah. uh, you are more sociable. Hmm. You're eager to belong to the group. Oh. You're traditional in your values, less inclined to be an explorer. You're a builder and a guardian. Wow. You're calm, cautious, controlled. You like to make plans. You're persistent, a concrete thinker, you're detail-oriented, you're uh, fact-oriented, and you're loyal. So that's a ser- if you're high in serotonin, you might be going, that's, oh my God, that's me. That's you. Testosterone. That no, you. I'm, I, I, I connected with dopamine on that. Really? Yeah. Huh. So, uh, but maybe I'm balanced. I don't know. Testosterone. People that are testosterone, tough-minded, direct, decisive, skeptical, competitive, emotionally contained, inventive, experimental, exacting, and assertive. All right. So that's your high in testosterone. If you're high in estrogen, this is someone you're intuitive, introspective, holistic, trusting, empathetic, and you're a long-term thinker. You can tap into other people's feelings. You have good verbal and social skills. These are negotiators and big picture thinkers in your very highly emotionally intelligent. So when I went through those, which one's connected? I have a, I have a feeling of, that I know which ones you are, which one's connected with you. You know, Well, I, I took a different tact on this. Before you shared all this, I wrote down... Uh, five things that I look for in a partner, hmm. and and then and then what was interesting is then I so so these are the five things that I, that I look for in a partner. Oh, and the other thing, real quick, yeah. And you also think about the two of these are attracted to the opposite. Two of these are oh. attracted to the same. Right, you know what? Because because I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up the flow. So I, it's interesting. No, go ahead. It's interesting that you resonated with dopamine because I resonated with dopamine. And I saw you more as a, a serotonin testosterone person. Really? Yeah, that's what I saw. I saw you primarily as testosterone. Yeah. Uh, but like, if I had to draw the pie chart or the bar graph of you, testosterone would be the one that got the highest peak. <laughs> and then I would say that you are dopamine. I would say you're testosterone dopamine. I would say that I am dopamine. Probably dopamine, serotonin. So who's attracted to, to what then? So let me find this. They, um, so 
dopamine people are drawn to people like themselves. They yeah. want other dopamine people. Yeah. Serotonins <laughs> are drawn to people like themselves. Okay. Testosterone and estrogen, if that's your primary, you are drawn to the opposite. Interesting. So if you are off the charts and test, do you feel like you're drawn to people that are intuitive, introspective, negotiators that uh, have good social skills and they're emotionally intelligent? Is no. that who you're attracted to? No, huh. no, Mm-mm. more love, more. Of flight, I like those dopamine hits, man. Flight attendants. I I <laughs> like dopamine hits. This this is what I like, and and where would this fit? I and and, and I knew we we're going to do this, so I wrote down these five things. But I don't know where it fits. Number one, I like to watch someone with others, how they interact, and kindness in the way that they treat others in an unguarded moment is everything to me. How kind are you in an unguarded moment? How kind are you when you're not getting patted on the back? How kind are you when you're not being recognized? How kind are you uh, with the least of these in, in society? How kind are you? Super important to me. Curiosity. I can't stand to be around partners, friends, family members, uh, stranger people that aren't curious, and they only talk about themselves, and they're not willing to unlock the secrets and the stories that other people have to share. Drive me nuts. I don't have a lot of time for that. Athletic, you know that that's important to me. I like to get up and sweat my hair off one time a day. A potty mouth. I love people that cost me. I <laughs> do. And someone that can use the mother, her, I just... It's got to be natural, though. It has to. It can't be forced. And if you if you meet a woman that really knows how to cuss, and not all the time, but at the right time, it's a delight to me. It's an absolutely delight. And then finally, someone that has the ability to be alone, uh, I think is really important. Because in the Tom Cruise movie... You complete me. That doesn't happen. You compliment me. You know that you could ha- go on a life journey with somebody if they have the ability to stand alone, right? So that's pretty important. Where does that fall, though, do you think? Well, the, the cool thing is Dr. Helen has a... You can take the full exam for like a couple hundred bucks. Oh. And then it gives you... They just gave like insights on if you're... If you if you and your partner both tested on this yeah. and got your profile, it gives you practical ways that you can treat each other. Okay. And so they, they, they tease that a little bit, but I think it's super insightful. This stuff I find really good and then... Uh, Dr. Gottman, I believe is his name here at the UW that does the Love Lab stuff. His yeah. stuff is, is real scientifically solid. Yeah. I love that. All right. Hey, uh, all that's in the Wall Street Journal, I think is where we found that story. Right? Hey, coming up, let's say, oops, they threw you in jail. 23 years. And then it said, here's a check for $1.55 million. I'd be like, Really? talk about that next and also what do you learn from another human another book your partner we'll talk about that before we get out of here it is episode number 74 you guys of the ron and don show only on the ron and don radio network is your commute crushing your day let's do a ron and don sit down email ron at windermere.com my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron, and my dad, Don. 
All right, you read these stories all the time, and this is why I love the Innocence Project. Saran and Don Show, by the way, episode 74. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate you. Everything's up at ronanddon.com and uh, join the newsletter. You'll know what's happening. It drops every Wednesday. This show drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Do you ever watch some of the Innocent Project shows and you're, you're always blown away by the fact that there are hundreds and hundreds of people that have been in the penitentiary that are now out after 10, 15, 20, 30, 35 years. I always think about the ones, especially in Texas, that went to death row. Yeah, that went to death row. And you think about the dozens and dozens and dozens, mostly men that went to death row. They were killed, and then later on through DNA, we found out, you know what, he didn't do it. I just got done reading a story about a gentleman. Uh, He did 23 years for a crime he didn't commit. Uh, He got out of prison through uh, DNA, and he was given a check for $1.55 million. And then he was handed a certificate that said, you know what, Uh, he's innocent. He didn't do these crimes. So it wasn't any kind of plea deal or anything. And he was really happy with the money. He thought $1.55 million uh, was appropriate, I guess. And I looked at that and I thought, 23 years of your life taken away from you and your name is besmirched and now uh, you're out what kind of life skill do you have 23 years later? $1.55 million, maybe 23 years ago, was a lot of money. And maybe when you only earn $0.05, cents, $0.25, cents, sometimes $0.50 cents, uh, a day when you're working in a penitentiary, $1.55, I can understand. That seems like a lot of money, but that doesn't really seem to correct sending a man away for 23 years for a crime he didn't commit. Well, there's a lot of different angles on this that just popped into my head. The first one is, and if you've ever watched the Memphis Three, the West Memphis Three story of the three teenage boys that went to death row because they thought they they were basically framed for a murder that happened in their town, and, and all three of them were innocent. When you listen to Damien Eccles, I believe is his That's name, right. when he got out, it's it's his thing is, I need to reframe my life to be on the outside of prison now. And so it's less about the value of a dollar per se. I mean, that's important, but he's like, unless I can successfully bridge this gap, then I am an institutionalized person. And he's like, am I able, and money doesn't solve that. Uh, it's, it's mental. And so he had the presence of mind and the support group that he had developed, uh, including some of the guys from Pearl Jam that helped him uh, fund his legal fund of saying, I, I need to money. Money's going to money is helpful and I'm going to need money. But if I don't have the mental fortitude to figure out what it means to not be institutionalized, then it doesn't matter. And so when he first got out for a, a quite a while, he stayed in a dark one. He was comfortable in a dark room about the size of his cell. And so even though he could go anywhere he wanted and he was now technically free, he was unable to do that because like we think it was like, Oh man, you're gonna be riding down the street and crank up the radio and go to grab a burger and do, you know, go visit all the cities you wanted to fantasize about when you're in. And he's like, he was terrified. And so he spent quite a bit of time in this small room figuring out how do I get out? Now that I'm out, how do I get out? And so that I found super fascinating. So for this guy, yes, I, I don't think the money's enough. That's an ask for, that's an ask for plea, though, 
that the Memphis Three took. They didn't get a check. They didn't right, get they a didn't certificate. Get no. Uh, they took a plea to get out. And they sold their rights for movie, movie yeah. trilogy and, and then, stuff. And then, and then also, these, these were young kids who are now still young men. And then also, uh, they're white guys that have the help of Pearl Jam. So that's not to... Uh, no, that's fair. That's not to I, demean, I get, I get but it's, it's different if you're African-American, right. you're an older gentleman, and you get out of jail, and you're like, I'm 60 now. They're handing me a check and a certificate and saying, have a good day. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, no, I, it's I, not I, enough I, money. I think it's worth a lot more than $1.5 million in a certificate. Where is the prosecutor, the same prosecutor, because uh, oftentimes those prosecutors are still around or a prosecution team. Or are they stepping to a microphone with TV cameras and the passion that they had when they were trying to put you away for 23 years? Where is that? Where is that? And, and, and that to me, it still wouldn't be fair, but it would bring a sense of fairness to the table rather than a pat on the back, a check and a certificate. Here, give I me think the final if, you, say on it. if you've spent 23 years in prison, you've, you've come to terms with what is fair and what's not fair. I think that everyone could probably learn a lot from this gentleman of, of realizing and really living with the concept of fairness. Because it, if he goes down that road, then it's just going to be consumed for the rest of his life. Like If he's able to have a sense of gratitude and go, hey, I got a check for $1.5 million. Got the I have years in front of me. I'm going to make those the best years of my life. Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Like, you're right, though. You're right. It's not enough money. And he deserved a more formal apology and these people to fall on their sword. But you watch the federal government, they'll probably make them pay federal income tax on that. They're not supposed to, but they probably will. <laughs> Is it a true $1.55 million? That's what you wonder. Yeah, I was a millionaire a minute ago, and then April 15th happened. He's Ron, I'm Don. We come back. Episode 74. Thanks for listening, you guys. And let's talk about one thing we're learning, either from another human, a partner. Maybe your nine-year-old kiddo, maybe your jaw dog, or uh, maybe some book you're reading or whatever. Let's talk about that next. It's Ron and Don, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Thanks for listening, you guys. I realize it's not easy. Charlie the dog and I have to listen to these two jokers every day. Sign up for the nation news at rondonradio.com. Hey, I want to thank uh, Virginia Marial, Sung Basque, also Barbara Horton, uh, Janice Moorhead, Junie Halverson, and of course Dan Weber. What they do, they went to glow.fm. And they gave a monthly amount to support the Ron and Don show for the rest of the Yeah, year. you can become an individual sponsor of the show. Don will give you a shout-out on the radio and uh, or on the podcast. And you get to choose the amount. Just go to glow.fm, G-L-O-W.fm, slash Ron and Don Radio, and uh, get an account. All right. Uh, episode 74. I've shared a lot lately about what I'm learning in episode 69 and 70. We talked about swimming with the greenback turtles, our trip to Maui. We've talked about black belt courage. In fact, my son is here. We're getting ready to go to black belt taekwondo class right now. Uh, what have you been learning? Uh, well, I it's it's um, as we do this, we are still in the month of uh, February, and I have a success and a failure 
all at the same time. All right. I started for the entire month of February. I was inspired by our coworker, Diane, sent me this link to The Minimalist. And there's a thing called The Minimalist Challenge because I was feeling like as I moved, I moved from a White Center Burien area back to my condo in Lake Union. And so just so much stuff. And I, I was looking at it and unpacking it and moving it for the nth time and was like, what is my deal? Why am I attached to all this stuff? And so she sent me this deal called the Minimalist Challenge. And what it was is you pick a month and on day one of the month, you find one thing that you can discard or donate or give away or give to goodwill. And the first thing I gave away was my old motorcycle jacket. Uh, we did it on the podcast. I had moved that thing probably half a dozen times. No, I gave it away. And then I gave it to you and you got rid of it. And it was hard for me. Yeah. It was difficult. And then I got backlash. My brother said he wanted the jacket and I felt guilty for that. And so I was like, okay, that's day one. So on day two, I had to pick two things, et cetera, et cetera. And so the goal was to make it through the entire month of February. And so the failure is I have not made it through. I've, I've stopped. Oh, the success is that I made it to day 19. Nice. And so that's I, I did the math. I think that's around 190-ish wow. items, oh. which was a lot for me. That was a lot. And so Good most job. of them came out of, out of my clothing. Yeah. Uh, but some of the other ones, I do you remember I had this big drone? I thought I was going to get into drones for a while. So I bought a cheap drone. Me and your son actually lost the first one. It got stuck in a tree. You can blame it on him. He and, flew it into a tree. And then I got, I replaced that he one. He told you he was going to fly it into the tree. No, it, no. And it didn't. was the only tree for miles. And he got that tree. And he found the tree. So And, and then it's then still I, up in the tree. I saw it the other day. Did you, so I bought yeah. a really nice drone. You did, yeah. And uh, spent quite a bit of money on it. And it just never clicked. It was one of those things I, I thought I would like it. I, I like the idea of like aerial photography yeah. and video and all that stuff. Just to get into it. And so I have been lugging that thing around. Where'd it go? I, I gave it to Goodwill. Oh. So like that one was tough for me. And I had this little cigar box guitar with a pickup in it that you may have remembered. Yeah. Around, a little side guitar. Gave that to Goodwill. Wow. And so these the last ones, I gave away an old uh, uh, an iPod, like stuff that I'd had that was like, why am I keeping this iPod? Everyone's killing themselves right now to get to Goodwill. They're like, right. they, they want to go get your gear. That that drone was like HD camera. Like it's a nice, a nice drone. Wow. So, but so the, the fun, the, that's why I was like, okay, I think I've learned the lesson that I was supposed to learn. And like, it doesn't matter if I give 22 more things away. I sort of, and, and not learned it entirely. It's still something I'm going to battle, but that's the biggest thing. So I did it for 19 days. Yeah. I posted the pictures up on my socials. I like it. Uh, and it got rid of like 20-something hats. Like, I don't know why I had that many hats. Like, I used to, we used to, every year when the Mariners and the Seahawks came on, we would always buy that year's hat. Yeah. So I had a bunch of that sort of stuff. I think it's because when you did radio in afternoon drive and you're doing a four-hour show and then you wear headphones to do commercials and all that, and you have the, the headphones on all the time, sometimes just having a hat, because you're sweating there, and the studio get hot from all the equipment, and I think just having a hat on every once in a while to absorb all the sweat, that's probably that's probably where uh, your hat addiction. So that's what I learned. I'm trying, the thing that's that good. my takeaway on it is now, it's like, okay, when I'm going, and, and I think you do this better than I do, if I want to buy a shirt, just because I'm at Target and the t-shirts are on sale for eight bucks, I have the my mind is like oh that, those eight bucks I just like saved. I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy five of those shirts I'm saving so much money but no you just spent all this money I meant spend this money they never really fit right and then I would look I'm not buying thirty five dollars for a t shirt yeah but when you buy the thirty five dollar t shirt it fits well yeah. you like it 
And, you, you know, it's just better. So I'm, that's, that's what I think that I learned. It's like, okay, when it comes time to buy a thing, buy the right thing. Don't get four crappy shirts. Get one nice shirt that you actually like and are going to wear. And then I've also instituted rules. Like, if I buy a pair of shoes, I need to throw away yeah. a pair of shoes. Yeah. Uh, something I'm learning, a good book. You can read it in one night. You can read it uh, on half a leg of a plane trip. It's called Struggle by Dan Herrera. And Dan controls about $500 million in real estate. Uh, but when he was younger, he was a little boy. I think there's 12 kids in his family. And he was part of a migrant family that would come up from Mexico. And they would work for six months in the States. And then they'd go back to Mexico. And he was on this high school basketball team. And the team would go to play basketball. And they'd go from city to city. And when all the kids would go to get off the bus... He would stay on the bus with his little brother. And the reason he would stay on the bus is because they were all going inside to eat. And he and his little brother, they couldn't afford to eat. So his mom would make these mega big burritos for him. And he said for a long time, kids, they made fun of him. And then after a while, he just kind of got used to it. And he said, one day, one day, one of the dads walked on the bus. And he said, you know what I want you guys to do is I want you to step off the bus and I want you to come inside and I want you to sit down with the team and I want us to share a meal together. And you know what I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna tell anyone on the team that when we go inside to sit down and we share this meal together, that I am buying your meal. Uh, he said, but do me a favor when you get older and you see a child on a bus is see a person struggling. The book is called Struggle. If there's an opportunity, you can't help everyone everywhere. You can help someone somewhere. Find that someone and find a way for them in their struggle to help them get off the bus. He's been doing that ever since. That's really disappointing. I thought the end of the story was going to be that the other kids finally tasted the burrito. <laughs> and we're like, oh my God. This burrito is way better than anything we were eating before. It's really disappointing. Keep your head up your shoulders back. It's the Rod and Dodd Show. Only on the Rod and Dodd Radio Network. That isn't better. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.